Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, and today we're, we're barely two weeks into the new school year, but we uh, already are dealing with a controversy from some uh, a tweet and a sign that was put out by one of the local bars, Kilroy's. It's drawing a lot of backlash because uh, a lot of people are saying it's supporting a rape culture here in Bloomington. We're going to talk about that issue Today with uh, four guests, we have three before the break, and we'll have a fourth joining us after the break. So Mary Catherine Carmichael is here. Uh, she's the Director of Communications for the City of Bloomington Mayor's Office. That's correct. Okay, thank you. So, More importantly, I'm your former, former co-host. Former co-host. I mean, really, for, that... For 17 I, years, I usually yes. use that one first, but, you know, yeah, that other title, I've got that one, too. All right, good. And Susie Wilcox, executive board member of Indiana University's Feminist Student Association, and Nikki Broski, who's the co-owner of The Back Door. They're all here in the studio. And also, Leslie Fasson will be joining us in the second half of the program. You can join us today with your questions or your comments by calling... 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. Well, thank you all for, for coming in. Yeah, it's, I don't know, the longer I'm here, it seems like something happens the beginning of the school year. This was a new one on me. I mean, the the, uh, the tweet that was sent out. Uh, Mary Catherine, can you just sort of describe what the tweet was about and then the uh, the sign that was in front of the bar? Well, I can, I can probably do you one better than that. I can read you the tweet, actually. Okay. I have a copy of it in front of me. Um, this was sent out by uh, Kilroy's Recess. I don't know if you need background on that, but Recess is a new um, bar that Kilroy's has opened. It is uh, in the vicinity of, but uh, a block over from Kilroy's on Kirkwood. Uh, it's in the Dunkirk development uh, on Kirkwood. Um, it's a bar that is designed uh, to be not just for 21 and older, but for 18 and older. So it's a different concept uh, than the traditional 21 and over bar. Um, it is ostensibly for um, people under 21 to have a place to come and socialize and dance. And if you're over 21, you can drink. Uh, but the but the uh, tweet in question, uh, again, this is from Kilroy's Recess, the 18 and over club, uh, be, says, at Mark Cuban, come check out your old place, exclamation point. Spoiler. We got rid of the wet T-shirt contests but kept the underage girls. Now, for those that don't know, Mark Cuban, of course, who's uh, you know a billionaire and an IU graduate, used to own the same or he used to have a bar in the same property, right? Right, right. So, that was, so that was the hook. That was the hook. Too. Right. Do you know what happened with Mark Cuban? Why that got shut down? No. Uh, because he was hosting, or the bar was hosting, a uh, wet T-shirt contest, and a parole officer recognized a 16-year-old charge um, as one of the contestants. Okay. And that led to, that was the beginning of the fall. Beginning of the for, fall. For, yeah, for that yeah, establishment. For that establishment. One thing that I would like to bring out about that tweet is that it, it isn't just the words that were used, but there was also um, a really gross emoji used. Uh, I know that he that the or that the recess folks um, you know are referencing a wet t-shirt contest, and there's a number of emojis uh, that uh, donate water. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have we all have a plethora of emojis now, and they chose the one. That looks like squirty water droplets, uh, which is it's pornographic and it's disgusting. And so I think whatever ambiguity they may have thought was funny uh, was made concrete with that with that little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Susie, your reaction when you saw that or heard about it? Oh, I was horrified. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what was going on in their minds when they wrote this and what made them think that that wasn't going to have just immense repercussions from the community. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, and then, you know, the other thing that, that I think is 
is also very troubling is their sign outside on the day of the, cl- the eclipse. And Mary Catherine, you've got that too, right? I do. I have a, a copy of that. Uh, several people were so shocked by it that they took photos and shared them on various social media outlets. And um, this is, again, as you said, uh, from the day of the eclipse, it says, the sign says, the sun is blacking out. You should, too, exclamation point. $1 Wells, $1 Sliders, $4 Long Island, $1 Shooters. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, blacking out, I've, I've actually, I, I looked up the definition of it because, you know, I, we all, I think, know what it is. But, you know, it's not the same thing as passing out. I mean, when you, you're blacked out, you're wandering around, you still, you have no judgment, basically. Right. right? And you have no memory of your yeah, behavior. You're, right. you're still awake mm-hmm. and making decisions, just ones that you're not necessarily uh, aware of. Right. Um, what's interesting to me is that uh, that's actually, it's illegal in the state of Indiana. Uh, excise police can fine you $600 for any sort of advertisement that um, talks about in- intoxication or encourages that sort of intoxication. Um, but, you know, when you're making 10 to $15 million a year, a $600 fine is, uh, right. you know, pennies on the rug. Yeah, I, sh- I should say w- that uh, our producers invited Kilroy's to join us on the program today, somebody representing them, and they chose not to do that. Um, Nikki, from a, a perspective of a person who is co-owner of a club, I mean, what happens when you see somebody in the club that you think may be in some sort of trouble intoxication-wise? Do you ever? Oh, we have uh, we have a lot of different uh, contingency plans in place. Um, Oh, we've done it two times now that we work with Middleway House, uh, that the entire staff is trained on um, a program that they have, which is bystander intervention training. So uh, that means that either if we see someone or if someone comes to us and alerts that either they are in trouble or their friend is in trouble, is that um, right away, if they can't get away, they're going to go to me or they're going to go to a door person or to my business partner, uh, Smooth, Sarah Gardner. Um and and ask for help. Uh, and at that point, it's uh, it's important to make sure that the victim is brought off, you know, given water, food, attention, whatever they need, and that the perpetrator is uh, bounced out of there, hopefully uh, with a picture so that we know who they are and they can by, be identified again. Mm-hmm. And I know Middleway is offered to take its training in to, to Kilroy's. That's correct. And um, the uh, Dean of Students Office um, and their culture of care, uh, that training has also been offered. Okay. So, Mary Catherine, I know the mayor met with uh, the owner of Kilroy's on um, Thursday, I guess. And right. The Two owners, actually co-owners. Yes, Co-owners that's and uh-huh. the, the Dean of Students, I that's think, correct. was there as well. What can you share with us? There was also, um, interestingly, a um, representative from the uh, Indiana University Foundation, mm-hmm. who is the owner of the property on which uh, Kilroy's on Kirkwood is located. Um, they do not own the property that um, Recess is located on. Uh, that is owned by Brian Rentals. Uh, you might be familiar with them. They own a lot of property mm-hmm. in town. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that meeting. What was what was the question? Well, I just what could you sh- what can you share from the meeting? How did it go? So, um, I'll give you a little bit of the genesis of that, so mm-hmm. so you understand where it started. Um, obviously, uh, after seeing um, these uh, communications, uh, Mayor Hamilton was. Um, deeply upset and concerned. And so uh, we have a great relationship with the Dean of Students and Indiana University. So we reached out and um, wanted to coordinate our efforts um, with the Dean of Students. And um, in fact, Lauren Robel as well, she's been aware of all this as it's been unfolding. Um, Very responsive. I have to really give it to them. Uh, They've been terrific throughout this process. Um, Very engaged. Uh, Anyway, so um, we had requested a meeting ourselves with the owners um, and then kind of at the same time we found out they had also requested that so we thought um, it would be probably more efficient just to do it all in one meeting Um, the owners of uh, recess and Kilroy's um, said that's fine uh, we'd love to give you a tour of recess so you can see uh, how it's set up and our safety um, uh, precautions uh, but no staff 
um, could attend. Uh, only the principals, um, mm-hmm. they did. Um, I believe that the um, representative from the foundation um, communicated what he had to say and left abruptly um, while the mayor and dean of students um, stayed on for the tour and um, the the whole process took about an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, There were uh, people demonstrating um, in front of recess uh, while that meeting was going on, representatives from now, um, representatives from the College Democrats, other folks who were just interested. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, I, and I, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I don't. Didn't get the affiliation for everybody. I'm, uh, yeah, there's kind of a lot going on. But um, so, it, and that was really very civil. It was um, supportive of the meeting. Um, so I, you know, I thought it was fine that they turned out and um, made mm-hmm. their their concerns also known. Now, before I, I, I want to ask Susie some questions too. But before I do, I want to ask you about. I mean, the mayor was. He spoke out about recess going into that space before they went in because it's a, a different concept, an 18 and over club, so, or 18, yeah, 18 and over club. What was the mayor's interest in that and why, you know, why would a mayor speak out about, you know, a legal business going into a place? That's a, that's a very reasonable question and I appreciate you asking that. Mm-hmm. So I think this administration is well on record as being absolutely concerned about public safety, number one. And that's not just for people who live here year-round. We care deeply about the safety of the people who come here to attend Indiana University. We love having them here. We're we're grateful for them. So um, when we heard about this, um, we had initial concerns. Um, The original plan was that people under 18 uh, who would ostensibly have a bracelet on that would indicate that they were not to be served alcohol would be able to mingle freely with people over 21 who had um, alcohol in hand. We expressed great concern, um, you know, like, hey, what could possibly go wrong, right? You know, so um, anyway, um, I would say that, um, and, and that was in a meeting with uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick um, in in our, uh, in the mayor's office, and he'd come in on a different issue, actually, but by that, we had just learned that this was, was going to be developed, and so we raised the issue with him and said, hey, what about this? And so I, would, I will give him credit for having changed that setup since that discussion. Um, Can you describe that setup? I'm really you curious. You know, I didn't get to see it. Okay. So, but and because again, staff was not allowed. But according to uh, Mayor Hamilton, um, there is a, um, a cordoned off or sectioned off area. If you're going to have alcohol in hand, mm-hmm. you have to remain in that area. Um, but if you have uh, other things to drink or you just are dancing, um, the, then 18 and overs and 21s can. can but all, mix. but all the cups look the same. I don't know, Nikki. Okay. I really don't know. It's just, you know, I mean, these kids are college students, and while they're not always the brightest, they do have at least some sort of, like, problem-solving skills. And I think, uh, like a kid in a candy shop, if there's candy there, they're going to figure out how to get to it. It's just it's just a bad recipe. It's a really irresponsible decision mm-hmm. for everyone involved to think that just putting up a fence or some sort of low, low barrier is going to... Uh, avert uh, young folks from getting an alcohol. I don't disagree. I will say that um, they have met all the burdens of Indiana state law on this topic as, to the best of our knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do know our... Just from a structural standpoint. Sure, sure. That's yeah. all I'm referring to. Our, our reporter who was in, he got a tour at, early on, too, and he, he talked about how there, there was nobody there. Um, the only people that were there from the bar side were people who would be bouncers, so to speak. I mean, they had, and they had them stationed at every location where they would be checking IDs and where people would be able to mingle as sort of a show of this is what we're going to do. Well, I'd be really curious to know who those bouncers are as well, because uh, from my experience, I, I don't patron any of the Kilroys, but I do walk by them occasionally, and they always seem to be uh, fairly young folks that might be in college themselves and certainly have buddies that are going there. And I uh, uh, really, 
you know, would like to think the best of people. But, you know, unless you have some grown adults that are working for a real security agency and just hiring some other co-eds, I mean, it's just leading to turning the blind eye. Yeah. Your buddy, your buddy is stumbling out the door with some girl and you're like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. It's my buddy. He's yeah. fine. And yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't know what those guys look like. I just had that description from our reporter. <laughs> Susie, I wanted to ask you about the, about I use Feminist Student Association. When did it start, sure. and what's your, you know, what's what's your key interest in this issue? Um, I honestly, I'm not sure when it started. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's something I should probably learn. Um, our interest in this is that um, the Feminist Student Association is kind of dedicated to encouraging awareness and mm-hmm. safety for all people who are affected by anything within the community. You know, plagued with anything that is um, puts them at a disadvantage or is oppressive and you know, clearly it's the Feminist Student Association, so we are very interested in protecting um, young women and any really any person. But when it comes to something like this, where they are encouraging predatory behavior and, um, in essence, misogyny, um, it is very much in our field and something we are incredibly um, invested in seeing mm-hmm. seeing consequences for. So. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, Really, what one thing that people aren't talking about about that tweet is that um, it, there is a conversation about how it's how it's predatory and how it's um, mm-hmm. enabling uh, particularly men to come to come prey on underage girls. But what what we're not talking about is also the socialization of young women here. Is that they're they're in school? A lot of them, these eighteen year olds, who probably you know this is their first time out of the house, being independent people. And within the first two weeks, they see a sign that not only encourages them, but tells them that blacking out is completely acceptable, and then see a tweet that, that also says that, hey, this, this is appropriate and expected behavior for men to be preying on you. So get used to it, ladies. And, so, and I, think, I think that is so important that not only are we enabling predators, but we're teaching young girls that this is how they should be moving through the world to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mayor Hamilton um, did issue a brief statement, if you don't mind, and I'd like to add that to the conversation. Um, this was um, after the tweet, um, but of course it refers also to the unfortunate um, sign on the day of the eclipse. And Mayor Hamilton said, the glorification of misogyny and binge drinking has no place here, period. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not clever. Encouraging reprehensible and dangerous behaviors in college-age residents or any residents is against everything for which this community stands. We will be engaging with the creators of these messages to encourage more responsible behavior in the future. If you want to join our conversation, you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also... Send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. Well, I also have a copy of Lauren Robel. She's the uh, provost at IU, and her statement, I'm just going to read it in part. It talks about um, the events of last week, which included gross and insensitive social media posts suggesting that patrons revisit recess for the underage girls and a flippant reference to drinking to black out as a fun goal have confirmed my deep concern that the ownership is not serious about enforcing responsibility in its establishments. The ownership was serious about this issue. The employees would never have thought that messaging like this was appropriate or funny. So that was mm-hmm. Dean Lauren Robel. Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking about this, and it's it's really been going on for a long time. Is it that... You know, Kilroy's um, recess stepped over the line with these uh, and sort of showed people they're trying to almost normalize what's been going on in Bloomington for a long time. Is that is that what's happening here? Oh, I think it's gone beyond normalization. It's already been normalized. They're celebrating it. Mm-hmm. They're pushing it in all of our faces. At Dunkirk, I mean, the fact that that building is owned by the IU Foundation is extremely problematic to me. Okay, How we so have let's clarify, Dunkirk's I, not uh, not Dunkirk, right? Uh, Recess. No. Recess is not. Kilroy's Kill, Kill on Kirkwood. Kilroy's on Kirkwood. Kilroy's on Kirkwood. Foundation, yeah. but not. I apologize. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
same beast. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and that is that is a, a technical difference, and I apologize for that misinformation. But uh, this this you know club that just had Breakfast Club after all of this Breakfast Club kids lining up at eight o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I saw a video Started at nine this year at nine yeah. at eight fifty five. A friend of mine posted a video um, of a line around the block. Uh, there's no reason to drink at nine o'clock in the morning unless you're an alcoholic or unless you're looking to get in some sort of trouble or get somebody else in trouble. And so we're, you know, like as a society, we're just kind of putting up with that and turning the blind eye. And IU Foundation owning that building can kick Kilroy's out anytime they want. And I'm, so I'm wondering, like... I'm going to call on that because I think, you know, we don't know what their lease agreement is. Um, so I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I think that that is something that's probably being investigated right now. I certainly hope it's being investigated. Um, you know, and again, going back to like uh, Kilroy's is the, I think it was last ranked as the 51st highest grossing bar in the nation, not in the state, in the nation. This is behind, you know, mega places in Vegas and New York uh, and Miami and Chicago. Um, and so that sort of money is, you know, it, it becomes it becomes the most powerful. It's like with excise police. Excise, you, you know, you can you can rack up a fine anywhere from five hundred to five thousand bucks for serving a minor. Um, when again, when you're talking about bringing in millions of dollars, that's chump change. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, they can afford to make those mistakes and not care. Mm-hmm. And so I just I find it really problematic that IU has started this what I think is a really a really weak spined um, anti assault effort, you know, putting putting signage on their bathrooms and on buses, and yet the IU Foundation is housing the the source of the problem. Uh, I wonder what the disconnect there is, and I think it's green. Mm-hmm. We have a phone call, so I'm going to um, ask. Lisa, what your question is, Lisa? Yes, hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I should probably say up front that I, I don't drink. I had my last drink 33 years ago, and I've been very concerned um, to see young people drinking more and more the way that I did, which is alcoholically. It seems to be almost a norm these days. And somebody did mention normalization, and I feel like certain institutions, like, you know, perhaps the university, um, the city, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Zaltzberg, but even the newspaper have been somewhat complicit in normalizing alcohol as an activity in every part of life in Bloomington, and I'm referring to the proliferation of the bars, to the tailgating area at IU for the football games, to the lack of editorial oversight at the IDS regarding articles uh, about how to drink successfully during Little Five Week. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, uh, you know, there's this this encouragement to drink in all areas of life in Bloomington, and I'm wondering uh, how people would respond um, to that um, there on the show. What does the panel think about that? Well, uh, I would speak to the uh, allegation that there's been a proliferation of bars. Um, and Nikki, I know you're probably going to be more familiar with alcohol law uh, mm-hmm. than I am as as an as a owner of an establishment that has to to uh, adhere to those laws. But there are a set number of liquor licenses that are um, assigned to each community. So, and they're very expensive; they're hard to get. Um, and so, that number, to the best of my knowledge, has not changed significantly in the near, in the recent. Uh, past. So I, I would say there has not, in fact, been a proliferation of, of new drinking establishments. Yeah, those are those are really hard to come by. Actually, Kilroy's uh, is one of the big um, corporations that comes swoops in as soon as some are available and buys them up and then repackages them into LLCs and sells them back to the community for an inflated price. So they're, you know, they're winning on all on all counts there. Uh, but no, you are correct. There, there is not a, uh, an unlimited amount of licenses in, this, in the city. You know, I, I would just suggest that drinking, the drinking culture has been, is well beyond Bloomington's limits. You can look at any popular, any popular um, media and see it. Um, I, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to get defensive, but I, I can't see what we at the HT have done. We've written a lot of editorials that have, um, you know, opposed these kinds of things and excess drinking. You know, I've written yeah. dozens of them. May I respond to that? Sure. Um, what I was referring mm-hmm. to specifically was the new sip and savor section of the newspaper. It seems to me like there's an entire section now devoted on Sunday to drinking. Um, well, it's 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 food, it's restaurants, it's drinking responsibly. That is correct. Yeah, and I think that things like that, you know, aren't as much of a problem if you're not in Bloomington, which is a town that does have a drinking problem. Um, when I lived in Atlanta before I moved here, I was telling people that oh, I was moving to Bloomington, Indiana. You know, some to me, some no-name town. I I didn't go to college, so I I don't know uh, about that scene. Or I didn't go to university rather. Um, and Immediately, people were like, "Oh yeah, Bloomington. Well, like, watch out for your liver." And uh, you know, and the like, we have that reputation. We have the Limestone Comedy Festival here. I'm a, I'm, I'm one of the venues for that. And the comics, you know, we have the after parties and they have fun. But they're like, "Dang, Nikki, like y'all throw down. Like I have to go dry for a month after visiting y'all." <laughs> um, so I, I, I totally, I totally think you're, you're correct um, in that that we do. Uh, uh, have uh, a bit of excess going on in this town. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right. Our phone numbers again are 812-855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show, news at indianapublicmedia.org. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg with the uh, Herald Times, and today I am talking with Mary Catherine Carmichael, my former co-host, who's now the Director of Communications for the City of Bloomington Mayor's Office, Susie Wilcox, Executive Board Member of the Indiana University Feminist Student Association, Nikki Borowski, the co-owner of The Back Door, and joining us by phone now from uh, wherever she is, I'm not sure where you are, Leslie, but Leslie Fasson, who's Senior Director for Wellness Prevention and Victim Advocacy IU Health Center. If you have questions or comments, please give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also e- email us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So, Leslie, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sure. So, your uh, title is Senior Director for Wellness Prevention and Victim Advocacy for IU Health, the health center. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been very involved with the Culture of Care Initiative. So, you know, how, um, you know, we're doing this show about, you know, the way that the the school year has started with the tweets from Kilroy's and the sign about blacking out. I mean, what's the... You know, what's the strategy to try to combat that kind of thought process? Oh, goodness. So um, part of my work uh, on campus is I oversee a great deal of our prevention efforts, sexual violence prevention, substance use prevention, mental health promotion, wellness. Um, And I've been working at IU in prevention for uh, several years, previously as assistant dean for women's and gender affairs before this current role. Um, And I would say that, I mean, for us to really – 
and challenge and address the concerns with uh, sexual violence, the drinking culture, and really concerns related to safety for students is that we have to focus on a, creating a comprehensive approach for prevention. Um, and so we've been doing that, enhancing our efforts over the last several years, uh, because we know that students come into school um, maybe already seeing or having expectations of what the college experience is supposed to be like for some of them. Um, and then when they come here, right, how do we focus on education prevention to help uh, change or address some of those uh, concerning attitudes and promote the positive attitudes towards um, creating a great social support environment on campus. So I know that when students come in for new student orientation, we have a number of different um, programs and discussions that they participate in, an online educational program, and then this year we're actually launching an in-person workshop on alcohol consent and bystander intervention that will be uh, required participation for all first-year students. Um, and then as they get older, some uh, continual messaging and comprehensive uh, prevention strategies. So I think it's for us, it's trying to figure out what's, what are the issues, what are the concerns, um, how do we prioritize these different issues, and, and then how do we really prevent uh, sexual violence, substance use, um, these different concerning behaviors from happening, um, and provide students with alternative activities that they can engage in that don't involve alcohol use or or parties on campus. So I would say that our approach is really comprehensive in nature, um, and that our goal is really to provide a supportive and safe community for students and trying to figure out how to do that in multiple ways to really support them while they're here to fulfill their the academic mission of the institution um, and to help them get their degrees um, so they can graduate and be successful. Could you talk a little bit more about the, the bystander participation part of this? Sure. Um, so we've uh, done a great deal of bystander intervention education work. And again, this is one form of a prevention strategy in addition to others. Um, and so teaching students how to identify problems, um, so, such as has, how to identify when somebody's had too much to drink. When do they need to call 911 if there's an emergency situation? Uh, or identify situations that could potentially lead to a sexual assault. Uh, so we've been working as one of our many strategies. One that we've been working on recent years is, again, teaching students the skills to identify problems and, and the many things that they can do to step in um, and help prevent their peers um, and help prevent problematic situations. For the first year workshop that we're launching, um, it's a new, unique one that we've developed that really focuses on alcohol, consent, and sexual violence, teaching students what consent looks like, how to ask for consent, how to know when they have consent, what our definition of consent is uh, that, um, by the Indiana University sexual misconduct policy, and then how to, how to step in to prevent sexual assault, um, not just in the moment when it could potentially be happening, but in the different instances that lead up to it. We know from our data, we conducted a climate survey in 2014 on sexual assault and sexual violence. So we know from that data, as well as the reports that we received from students, as well as national data, that a number of sexual assaults that our students experience have substance use involved by one or more parties. So that's a priority uh, situation and concern for us to address. And so this year we're launching uh, this program that will um, uh, complement existing initiatives to really address these um, primary concerns just as another step of what we're doing um, for prevention. So, but we know that there's some other pieces we need to do on the front end with changing con culture, attitudes, and perceptions as well in addition to bystander intervention strategies. Well, I want to ask a, a great big question here, I guess, and that is about changing culture because that's such a difficult thing to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm by far the oldest person in the room and on this program, but you know, when I went to, to college 40 years ago, there was a drinking culture. There's no doubt about it. So this is not something that's just happened overnight. I mean, I don't know, you know, back then we didn't wander around with handles, yeah. you know. We didn't drink uh, to get as drunk as quickly as mm -hmm. we could. But there was no doubt that we were going to drink and we would probably wind up drinking to excess. But I, I think an interesting, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a little younger than you, but, but not a lot, but I don't remember this predatory culture. Um, this is something, predatory rather, this is something um, mean-spirited and just, um, to me, 
a more recent development. I, I just don't remember that. Uh, you know, again, I went to IU. I might have been known to have a cocktail here and there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I lived this life, too. And um, uh, the, the overt marketing um, promoting th this kind of behavior and the misogyny that accompanies that that's a new wrinkle. Mm -hmm. Leslie, can you respond? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I would agree. I, I'd say that the predatory behavior, I'm guessing, existed. It just probably looked different. Um, and it occurred maybe in different places. It, it, now with the changes of media, what students are seeing in media, advertisements, social media, and that role, I, th I think that's certainly changing things quite a bit um, in what students are consuming and consume it differently. Um, I would say that even conversations with people um, that are older generations than me, I just think the predatory behavior looked different. Um, and so I think it's changed because I do know that sexual assault rates have been similar for decades, uh, but it does look different now. And I think there's also more awareness about sexual assault and sexual violence. Um, but I agree that I think that sometimes with social media, what you see is people being more open to sharing their opinions or beliefs that they may have not more vocally or openly in the media previously. And so it's a part of that shift in culture. And I think that for us to change culture, going back to Bob, your original question is mm -hmm. we have to do it on multiple layers. And we don't just want to move the problem because I think sometimes we may address the issue in one location and then it moves to another location. So how are we really addressing the issue or concern? And I think that goes back to not just doing, like I said, bystander intervention education that educates students on consent as well as how to step in, um, but what are we doing on our policy level? How are we holding people accountable? Are we looking at changing um, tax laws? Uh, related to alcohol use. I mean, if you think about the tobacco industry um, and what occurred um, many years ago with the lawsuits and the, the requirements and expectations of um, toward the tobacco companies for not targeting adolescents or kids with the, their marketing strategies, right? That how has that helped change the, the culture in addition to social norms related to tobacco use and smoking? And so looking at how we've seen a shift in these other public health issues and concerns, because uh, substance use, sexual violence, I mean, these are public health issues and concerns. What are the things that we need to do on these multiple layers and strategies? How do we partner with the bars? How do we partner with the Bloomington community? Um, how do we partner with students? How do we partner together and look at policies as well as individual and group interventions or prevention strategies that we can implement? Um, I think it's hard to change culture. Um, one way, we're also talking with parents about these issues and concerns. Uh, for new student orientation this year, we uh, talked with every single parent that participated in orientation about alcohol use, about our expectations and policies, about consent, about sexual assault, and about bystander intervention, um, and, and set that stage in a different way than we have um, in the past. And so I think it's on multiple accounts, and that's important for us to partner together, and again, not just move the problem, but figure out what are the different things that we can do collectively to really address the problem and these multiple problems that are that are obviously correlated and connected. What and how can this uh, can the solution or can the the uh, approach at addressing the problem start earlier than when kids come here for orientation? Because mm. you know those are again culture starts well below well before this culture starts before they get on campus. Well, they, they learn it before they get here, but they also they also learn it here. And I dare say that it's also uh, maybe not overtly encouraged, but not discouraged by the university. And a lot of that is economics, as uh, education has been defunded over the years and continues to be defunded. Universities are starting to act more and more like corporations, um, and they're capitalists, and capitalists exploit people. That is just how our system is, is built. Um, so it is not in their interest when you have a, you know, the Indiana University, I believe, is ranked something like 86 as academically. Um, it makes every single top 20 party school list, every single one. So. Uh, at a certain point, the university is like, well, being a party school is profitable, which I think is why we don't have, you know, stronger restrictions and more more advocacy against sexual assault. Why the BPD and why the IUPD are not trained in in um, in responding to sexual assault charges? Um, 
so let me let me take a step back. Can I um, yes. push back on that just slightly, sure. especially since this is a great deal of work that I do and have done for several years as a student here and then as an employee. Um, we actually have a grant from the Indiana State Department of Health that we've been working to enhance our prevention efforts and provide more trauma-informed uh, response and training um, to law enforcement officers to college professional, professionals, not just at IU Bloomington, but IU-wide, and have had a great deal of support from the Women's Philanthropy Council at the IU Foundation for our initiatives. They helped fund our initial survey that was also funded by the provost's office. Uh, we've hired more staff in these initiatives and areas, including with response in our sexual misconduct investigation team. We have posters that are in every single bathroom stall on campus that provide information about consent, sexual assault, relationship violence, where to go, how to help a friend, by sooner intervention. Um, and so I know that from the outside, um, I know from the inside, we're working a great deal on these efforts. And um, for those of us that work closely with students and have the privilege and the honor of doing that, um, and that's actually why I couldn't be in person is because I had other student meetings that I was had already scheduled and didn't want to have to reschedule. Um, is that, I mean, our students are why we're here. They're why we do what we do. I think the statement was clear from the provost, and you can read that in the IDS News. Um, I think that many of us are here to provide support to students and care about that um, and are trying to think strategically about how we address these issues and concerns in multiple strategies, in multiple ways, and to partner with the community to do that. Leslie, I know you have to go, so yes. I want to appreciate I, I appreciate very much you being here with us today. Okay. I, I, had, a, I had somebody text me a question, if you don't mind. Um, they want to know, uh, do we think predatory behavior is exacerbated by the proliferation of pornography? Is, are you, Leslie, do you know of any studies, anybody looking at that? Um, yes, I know there are some folks that have looked at that. I think um, I'm not the expert on that, to be completely honest. I think most of the time when I look at literature or do research, it's related to intervention and attitude change. Um, but I do know that there has been some research, um, especially related to that component of how that exacerbates or what that demonstrates and models about what's acceptable about behavior. But I can't speak specifically about any articles or authors. Um, but I do know that there's some research demonstrating the connection. Leslie, so, well, thanks thank again. Thank you, Bob, for having me. I really appreciate yep, it. Thanks again. Okay. Uh, all um, right. Bye-bye. Leslie Fasson is a Senior Director for Wellness Prevention and Victim Advocacy for IU, the IU Health Center. So um, I want to ask Susie from – well, let me give our phone numbers again in case somebody wants to – Join us, 812-855-0811, or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. Susie, from your perspective as a student, you know, what kind of grade would you give um, your university? And how, you know, how, you don't have to give them a grade, actually. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, what are some of the good things and maybe some of the things you wish that the university was able to do and maybe a little better? Well, in my experience, um, there's immense pressure. Just like it's such a culture of drinking, of binge drinking. It's a form of, especially um, freshman year, you know, you're young, you're susceptible. It's such a form of compensation and such a form of, like, proving yourself is like, I drink the most. And you know what I mean? All these things. And, um... While it's not um, perpetuated by the university per se, it's, um, I do think they are making good efforts. I know that when I was a freshman, I took an Oasis class and it was, um, granted that was, you know, um, monetarily beneficial for the university as well because it's like $200 for the class. Um, but it was incredibly helpful. It really does teach you how to um, drink like um, just much more responsibly in a way that's far less detrimental to how you feel the following day, to your health, to your rate of consumption. I learned a lot in that. Um, I don't necessarily think the university will ever be able to make enough efforts to combat just like how intense the culture of drinking is because that is like what it is so incredibly like just the culture of drinking is huge. I don't know that the university's efforts will ever be enough, um, but I do think they're doing what they can um, I'm sure they could be doing more, but I do think they're doing a good job of trying. And like with the Oasis classes, and it sounds like from what Leslie said that they're doing a lot with um, sexual assault. I know as far as when I was a freshman, it, there wasn't really much on sexual assault, but that's a couple years ago now. Um, but as far as like with Oasis classes and such, I know that in my experience, I learned a lot and um, it really helped me to drink more responsibly as a freshman, which is 
awesome because no freshman knows how to drink and you overdo it and you know it's just it's just super unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So how how often does your organization meet and do you have particular initiatives that you're working on the feminist? Um, yeah, so we meet um, every other Thursday. Our call out meeting is on September seventh. Um, we are a Gen Action chapter of the Feminist Student Association, which means that we are very closely tied into Planned Parenthood. So um, we do a lot for Planned Parenthood. Our two main events this semester are Take Back the Night, which is kind of a speak out for um, victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. So it's usually really awesome. We usually have a good turnout, and it's very emotional, and it just kind of gives um, people a platform to kind of speak on their experiences and feel heard and feel related to. And then we also have... Um, Art for the Margins, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It's an art showcase from anyone and everyone, and it's also really cool. Um, well, we're just really committed to increasing intersectional activism and trying to foster a safe space for kind of um, growth and networking and just to combat all the various things that are plaguing our society that are putting people at a disadvantage. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and I also want to ask from you know your perspective as a student. I mean, you've sure. been very eloquent in identifying the fact that yes, this is a culture. I mean, you have a lot of friends around campus. Oh I mean, are God, there yes. various okay. groups so of people, mm-hmm. or does it just go across all pretty much all groups of students? Binge drinking. Yeah, binge drinking, or just the culture of of drinking. Oh, it alcohol. is. It is rampant. It is yeah. ev- everyone. Everyone. It's. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I've never been a part of the Greek system. I'm sure it's exacerbated by that. Just the, I would assume also, um, just the idea of like parties being held at frats and girls drinking in excess. I can't imagine that that's a real um, optimal environment for drinking, but I've never been a part of the Greek system, but it is everywhere. It is not just to that. It is rampant. I know more people than not that have had fake IDs, um, things like that. And there's a common belief held among students that, like, if you're a girl, your fake ID will work no matter what, and things like that. It's They're not hard to come by. Mm-hmm. It is just so rampant. Everyone drinks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm just curious, um, amongst the student body, I know that uh, society at large does not believe women. Um, and, and you know, we haven't even talked about men that are assaulted, which is something that people don't talk about because they don't come forward um, because it's embarrassing, I think, even more so um, because of how men are socialized um, and people don't believe women. So why would they believe men? And so I'm just I'm curious as to what that attitude is amongst younger folks right now, because I know my generation and older, we were working really hard to believe women every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, uh, that you know, people come to me every single week. And it's, it's often with people that I know. And I'm not going to say that's not challenging. It is the most awful thing in the world to hear that someone that you know, or God forbid, someone that you're friends with has assaulted someone. And then being charged to be the one to deal with it is not an easy task, but it's a task that needs to be done. Um, so my challenge to you listeners is to take on that task. Um, but I, my question is is mostly like amongst the student body, what, how, what is that attitude about? How, how do, do kids believe, do young folks believe each other when they say that they've been assaulted? Yes. Um, I think that a lot of times, even for the women, um, because as you said, like we are so socially conditioned to play these kind of roles that a lot of times um, young women don't really identify with their assault as assault. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times there's no need for belief because the woman is just like, you know, no matter how she feels about it, it's just like, well, I was drinking, well, I was blacked out. We do have a very victimizing culture or like victim blaming culture. so a lot of times, I think it's hard even for the victim to identify with their assault. Mm-hmm. But when women are sure, um, I don't know that there would be disbelief. I think there would be a lot of blaming, just of like, well, you were drinking, you know, the, you were wearing this, all of those things. But I think it would be really hard for a woman to come out and just be like, I was, you know, this happened to me because... Um, there is so much stigma to it, and there is a good chance. We've all heard all the stories, you know, Brock Turner and all those things that a lot of times um, assaulters aren't penalized. So it's it's kind of like a what's the point kind mm-hmm. of They're very rarely penalized. Mm-hmm. I think of the – I think I read some statistics between 2008 and 14, I think it was, 
I don't know, almost 900 cases of sexual assault were reported uh, uh, that came out of IU, and I think only 86 maybe um, anything was done about it. You know, because they were like, "Oh, well, you can't prove it," and then you know, all these all these people would be like, "Oh, well, then you know, like women can just can just say that they're being assaulted." It's like two percent of of assault charges are are you know found out to be to be false or exaggerations. Two percent. Come on. Um, so. Oh, I lost my thought. I got upset. <laughs> I'm wondering what everybody would see as a good resolution for this Kilroy situation. Burn it to the ground. Well, I don't know if we can advocate that, but so, uh, that's. I mean, the, the thing is, I mean that that place has no has no part uh, in in a a civil society. It is it has been known as a cesspool of rape culture and binge drinking. I think since its inception, probably, um, and so uh, you know, uh, if you want to see it shut down, th- there's a, there's a number of things. Uh, don't go there. Don't spend your money there. Um, report those dumb T-shirts where they're ripping off. They're ripping off. Those are copyrighted uh, logos and symbols and things like that. You can report those, and they will get sued. They don't pay for any of that. When you're a bar, the more money that you spend, the more free stuff that you get. So you know, it's also holding accountable. You know, Budweiser holding accountable. Uh, Absolute holding accountable. Whoever whoever the distributors are. Um, you know, and also being like, this is this is not acceptable. You you are also playing into this culture. So there's, I mean, there's a whole stream of folks that are also responsible for this. That it isn't just the building or the owners of Kilroy's. I do blame them, but there's other there's other ways to get into that and to kind of and it hurt them in their pocketbook where it hurts. Mm-hmm. Any resolution from you, Susie? Um. I personally would love to see them raise the age limit. I just don't really see a need for a 18 and older um, bar. It's It just seems like it can only end poorly. Um, there's a reason there's a drinking age. There's a reason bars are designed for people who are 21 and older. And um, I don't see the benefit of having that unless you want to encourage predatory behavior. And just I wasn't really thinking about this too much prior to the tweet, but now that the tweet has happened, I am very um, uncomfortable even just with the name Recess. It all just seems very designed for predatory behavior, and I just can't really be into that. So I would love to see the drinking age raised. I I can't imagine that it's really going to be successful and last something's going to happen you just can't really have that environment and have it thrive i i really i disagree i don't think uh, drinking age is so arbitrary it um you know i i lived in europe where kids can drink at 16 and it's not it's not the age it's how people are are socialized around it and so it's up to us to change that and not just keep upping upping the ante if a kid can be given a gun and shipped overseas to go to war he should be able to drink a beer all right, we're 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 about out of time here, so I, I want to sure. thank our guests today, all three of you, um, Susie Wilcox, Nikki Broski, thanks to Leslie Fesson for being on here, and Mary Catherine Carmichael. Thanks, Mary Catherine. It's fun to be back, Bob. Yeah. Thanks. thanks. For our producer, Sophia Salaby, and engineer, engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu.